0: West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with
1: today's message. Got a lot of things I want to share with you tonight. I don't think the night's long enough to say everything I want to. I've often wondered what it would have been like to have been, you know, with Moses, with those two to two and a half million people in the wilderness. Can you imagine what it was like having a church that size? When you got ten people, you got ten problems. You got a hundred people, you got a hundred problems. He had a couple million problems, the poor guy. And every time he turned around, they were hollering and complaining about something. Wasn't enough to eat, not enough to drink. Always something going wrong. They always saw the, the giants in the land, never saw the promises of God. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus. Look at the book of Exodus. Let me show you a few things before I get into my... Message. This is a little sidetrack, but it ain't gonna hurt nothing. We ain't going nowhere anyway. But look there in Exodus chapter fourteen, chapter fourteen, they had come up to the the Red Sea, and everything was seemed like it's going wrong. And uh, the, the Lord told them, says, "Let's just just stand still and see see the salvation of the Lord. Watch what God does for you." When they they didn't know what to do. Pharaoh's army's coming up behind him. Here's all these people. And remember, a lot of this, God never told Moses in advance how he was going to do it. He just had to trust God to lead him as he went. And a lot of times it seemed like the Lord forgot to take care of certain little things. You know, like water. I mean, they went three days without what? Three days what would you do if you went 24 hours without water in the desert? They, they complained. And then God got upset with them because they complained. I guess he was trying to teach them, look, how many of them died because they died of thirst? How many actually died from thirst? We don't know if anybody died from thirst. How many of them died from hunger? You don't know if any of them died from hunger. Because God met their basic need. Now, there's a lot of things that um, God told them was going to happen. All those that had rebelled against Him, He says, You're going to die in the wilderness. You're, you're going to die. And only those that believed Him, and well, they got to go into the land. But here in, in chapter 14, look there in verse 14. He says, The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And then in the last part of verse 15, it says that they go backwards. No, they go forward. Right through the middle of the Red Sea. So they went across, it says there in verse 16, on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And so God says this is what's going to happen. In verse 19, and the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them, and the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them, separating them from the Egyptians so that he couldn't get to them. And God miraculously provided for them. Gave him a cloud, you know, to keep the old hot sun off of them, fire at night, to give them light and warmth. You know, God, God does a lot of interesting things that they didn't know at the time. And then in verse 21, there was a strong east wind all that night. God did that. Look in verse 22. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. So there's there there's a wall of water. Do you realize the confidence that they had to have to step into the Red Sea with a wall of water on one side and a wall of water on the other side? What would you have done? Do you realize the faith that every one of them had to have Not just Moses to lead, but the people to follow. They had never walked this way before. They had never experienced anything like this before. And look what they were going through. But there's something else here I wanted you to see. In chapter 15, it makes this statement. In verse 5, the depths, the depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Now, some people say there was just a little bit of ankle-deep water that they were in. That don't sound like it. He says, Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. And he talks about what he was going to do and how he did it. Now, look in verse 8. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. Like Jello. Here is two walls of water, and it's like Jello. It's congealed, and it's there. Do you think there's a possibility that as they walk by, they could see things in the water? What if there's all kinds of fish that they could see? What how deep they could see into there? Now, when I saw the movie "The Ten Commandments," the water was rushing up like this all over the place, but I don't think that's the way it was. I don't think the water was moving like that. I think it was like jello, and they got across, and you wondered you know here's here's all these people going across there. Have you ever wondered what 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 did they eat? They'd be hungry you, you think, well, I wonder if hey, there, there's, there's a big old fish. He can't get away. I'm going to take this fish. I get on the other side. I'll just cook this rascal. You say, well, that, that, that didn't happen. Yeah, probably never happened like that. But can't you dream a little bit and wonder a little bit? Take your Bible and turn all the way over there to the book of Isaiah 51. Look in Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah Chapter 51, I want you to look there in verse 9. He says, Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. This is on page 759 in the Old Scofield Reference Bible. He said, As in the ancient days, in the generation of old, although thou not it that hath cut Rahab and wounded the dragon? Are thou not it which hath dried the sea, the waters of the great deep? And hath made the depths of the sea a way for the ransom to pass over. The last part of verse nine, in talking about the crossing of the redeemed through the Red Sea, He's wounded the dragon. But what dragon? Well, look in Psalm 74. Psalm 74. And you'll see something that's a a little unusual. Psalm 74, just to show you that God may have done something maybe a little bit strange to us. Psalm 74, look there in verse 12. In verse 12. For God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Thou didst divide the sea by thy strength. Thou breakest the heads of the dragons in the waters. Hmm. Look at verse 14. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces, and gaveth him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Hmm. It seems like... As they crossed the Red Sea, there was something that God did to provide meat for the people going across. I just wonder. Take your Bible, look in the um, 41st chapter of the book of Job. Look in Job 41. Job 41. And you'll find that God in asking questions to um, Job talks about the uh, behemoth that is on the land, which many believe maybe have been a elephant or something like that. But then when he talks about the sea, it talks about the Leviathan. See there in uh, Job and chapter... 40 where it says there in verse 15 behold now behemoth uh, which I made with thee he eateth grass as an ox but he asked him a whole bunch of questions and this is um, a strange thing like an elephant but then look in verse 1 of chapter 41 this whole chapter describes something like a dragon a fire-breathing dragon Now, I know that around the world, a lot of people have, you know, this dragon. Especially if you go and eat Chinese food, you'll see the dragon everywhere. True? Now, verse 1 says, Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook, or his tongue with a cord which thou lettest down? Canst thou put a hook into his nose, or bear his jaw through with a thorn? And he goes on down here and says all these things about this... Strange thing. And look in verse 19. Out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks of fire leap out. Out of his nostrils goeth smoke and out of a, a seething pot or a cauldron. His breath kindleth coals and a flame goeth out of his mouth. You're talking about like a fire-breathing dragon in the scripture. Now, it's in my Bible now. Is that in your Bible? And he talks about the Leviathan or the, the dragon, the Leviathan, that was slain in the sea that provided meat for the people when they went across. Now, it's just a possibility that maybe God says, look, I've got two to two and a half million people to feed. And wouldn't have been something if God can provide a table in the wilderness, that God can provide miraculously for them to have food to eat, and he says that when they were crossing it, that God provided the meat for those that were going into the wilderness. Sometimes you just wonder about all the strange things that can happen. In your personal life, there's going to be a lot of strange things that you'll not be able to explain. But, you know, their shoes, their clothes never wore out for 40 years. How would you like to wear the same pair of shoes for 40 years? be cheaper, wouldn't it? But God is God, and God did things that nobody else can do. And I believe that when it comes to the Lord, we know, and you and I are never supposed to question or to doubt that God loves us. But the question comes down is, do you love God? Do you love him? Or do you question God? Do you get bent out of shape? Because of things that you go through in life. Remember a couple weeks ago I told you that opportunities are like on wheels and they knock and then they're gone. But temptation uh, leans on the doorbell. Never wants to leave you. And there's always kind of problems and so forth that we have. But I want you to take your Bible and look here in the book of John chapter 5. The Gospel of John in chapter 5 just going to look at a few scriptures just to talk to you a little bit the book of john chapter 5 and look there in verse 42 verse 42 he says in verse 42 but i know you i know you jesus is talking i know you that you have not the love of god in you i know that you have not the love of God in you. Now take your Bible, look in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John and chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, and look there in verse 8. This is what God says in His Word. Verse 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God. That word knoweth there is a reference to the second chapter also. And as you follow it through, you'll find out it means that he that loveth not, loveth not God. For God is love. In other words, do you believe that God knows whether you love Him? Now, we often say, well, if God, if you really loved me, you would do this and this and this and this and this. And in our mind, we have things built up. And if God doesn't do it the way we think He should... We sometimes think, well, maybe God doesn't love me like I thought He did. I guess God doesn't really love me. If He loved me, He wouldn't let this happen or this happen or that happen. But let's put it around the other way. What is God looking for in your life that would prove to Him, what's He looking for? That would prove to Him that you love Him. How would you show God you loved Him? What would be the criteria? What would be the standard of what you would or wouldn't do that would prove to God that you love Him? Now, I believe God's Word has a few things to say about this. And so I want you to look there in the book of Psalms in chapter 10. Psalms in chapter 10. There's a lot of things mentioned in the book of Psalms. Just a verse here and a verse there. I like to pick out certain verses. Sometimes I like to teach the whole psalm. But if you look there in chapter 10 of the book of Psalms, I want you to look there in verse 4. In verse 4. I believe that your love for the Lord is revealed by what you think about. Have you ever been in a car and they have a, a little um, compass in the car and whenever you turn and go the wrong way, it will say you're going east or west or south or north or northeast, northwest, whatever. And it tells you the direction you're going. You see, whenever a Christian has made up his mind, I want to serve the Lord. There's occasions where you may turn and get off course a little bit, but it'll always swing back to true north. You'll go back to the Lord. Because sometimes you may not be aware that you're not walking straight as you ought to, but a a man's heart that loves the Lord, he's going to always come back. You get off a little bit, you don't think like you should, but you're going to get your thoughts back to the Lord and think the way God wants you to think. Now, we know that his thoughts are not ours and ours are not his. But the reason we study the Word of God is so that we have something by which we can find true north. Something that helps us to have this compass where it will work and always swing us back. Love is what always brings you back to the Lord. Because if you love something more than the Lord, then that's the direction you're going to head in. You're going to, you're going to lean toward the things that you love. And if it's the things of the world, you're going to go that way. But you'll always think about the things of God in eternity. The judgment seat of Christ. Of pleasing God. And so those are things that will happen in your life because of the thought. But look there in verse 4. The wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. But the person who loves the Lord, it's going to be in all of his thoughts. And even whenever you, like I said... Sometimes you think about things that are not have nothing to do with God. Your love will bring you back to it. And I believe that it's very important that you learn how to control your thought. Now, look there in the 139th Psalm. The 139th Psalm. Now, a lot of times I use this whole psalm in talking about, you know, God made us. And His thoughts are about us continually. And uh, when He says up there in verse 1, O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known my heart or my thoughts. You know where I'm coming from. Down in verse 17 says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me. O oh God, how great is the sum of them. But wait a minute, wait a minute. We know God thinks about us. But do you think about God? And everything that you say and do and think, do you think how does this affect God? How does this affect God? If Is, is this going to be pleasing to the Lord? You've you got to have something that kind of helps you to have some direction in life that always brings you back to true north, to where you can say, this is the direction that I'm going, and you can stay on course, and it's to help you. So in this, this verse, I looked at in verse 23, where David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, or test me. Know my thoughts. Know my thoughts. Because God knows the thoughts of a man. As Jesus was here, and even John chapter 2, he says, He knew what was in man. In other words, he knows what people think. I'm so glad that you don't know what I think. But I'm glad that God knows what I think. And he can read your mind. And so, if God knows your thoughts, does he know that you love him? Does he know you love him? if all he did was read your thoughts. Now, of course, we can expand on that. What about the attitude that you have toward the Word of God, the Word of God itself? Look there in the 119th Psalm, just the 119th Psalm. You're right there, not far away. But in the 119th Psalm, look there in verse 97. Verse 97. And look at what God's Word says. See, if you do not love the Word, then there's good reason to doubt that you love the Lord. Because see, the Word reveals the Lord and leads you the way God wants you to go. And so Christ had made the statement, if you love me, serve me. If you love me, serve me. Well, you don't know what to do in service. It's not left up you to decide. You study the Word of God so that you can know so you know that God not only wants to read your mind and knows your thoughts, but it's, do you love His Word? What is it that God uses to decide whether or not do you love me? He says, if any man love me, it shall be known of him. If any man love me, it shall be known. So look what he says in verse seven. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation every once in a while. It is my meditation all the day. Now, you need to read and mark in your Bible uh, Joshua chapter 1, where it talks about meditate in the Word of God so that you may know what to say and what to do in order that your way may be prosperous. And he talks about being strong and very courageous. Well, that's what the Word of God will do for you. Meditate in the Word of God. Put God's word into your mind. So if you do not study the Bible. And you don't meditate on God's word. And his will. And his purpose. Does God know that? Does God know whether or not you really love him? Did you know he says. If any man love me. He said then him will I reveal my will. God will reveal himself to you. To those who love him. If you do not love him. You may know Christ as Savior. You can quote verses in the Bible. You can go through the actions, the motives. I mean, the, the, the things just like everybody else. But there's something that will be between you and Him. God knows whether or not you really love Him. And there's things He's looking for in your life. There's things that we look for from God. And sometimes we get upset with God because God doesn't always do what we think he ought to do when we think he ought to do it. Do you think there's any of those people that got thirsty on the first day, second day, third day? But now we're going to die. He brought us out here in this wilderness to die. This is why he did it, so he can kill us all. We would have been better off back there in Egypt with nothing but onions, leeks, and garlic. Well, wait a minute. Are those the same people that cried out to God and God told Moses, says, Moses, my people cry out to me to be delivered. Did they forget about that? You see, people change all the time. People are normally whiners. They're murmurs and complainers. And you'd be surprised. That things in our lives that God uses to toughen us up a little bit. Remember the Sunday school lesson this morning when we talked about tribulation worketh what? Patience and patience experience. Patience, the tribulation. That's where you get your experiences from. That's where you learn to mature. Because you'll find out after a while, God has got to get you into a state of despair. When you don't have the power to do anything about it and can't change anything, then God got you right where he wants you. And that's not the place we want to be. We always like to be able to have everything in control. I want to control things. And I don't like it when I don't have control. Did you know God will do whatever necessary to strip away our pride, though we won't call it that? We would never admit to that. In the book of Peter, when he talks about humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Ours is just to submit. His is to exalt us, to raise you up, do whatever he wants to do with you. All right. Then sometimes God has to strip you and he'll purge you like silver, getting all the dross off. To try to make it pure. And little do you know and think. That you still have some things in your life that God has got to purify you from. There might be areas in your life that's totally not yielded to the Lord. But you don't know that. There may be areas in your life that are not right with God. But you may not see that yet. So there's things maybe you haven't surrendered to the Lord. And God knows. So God says I'm not through yet. Can't use you yet the way I want to. Remember when Moses fled from the king or Pharaoh and went on the backside of a desert for 40 years? Do you know in the book of Acts, it makes the statement that Moses thought in himself. He supposed that God was going to use him to deliver Israel by his hand from Egypt. He knew that before he ever made his decision, not only to kill that Egyptian, but whenever they said, who made you the leader? Who put you in charge? Who made you the ruler of the judge? It's what he wanted to do. It's what he expected to do. And God had to take Moses, who was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he thought he was doing the right thing. But he had to go on the backside of a desert. Because see, he had spent the first 40 years of his life learning the ways of the world. And God had to put him on the backside of the desert for 40 years to unlearn him and drain him of all of his pride. And taught him how to be a shepherd. How to be a servant. And then God used him the last 40 years of his life in a great way. Have you ever
0: heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com. amazes me